busy, but you want the best for your kids. We're here to help. This is Hope and Will, a parenting podcast from Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. As his parents cleaned up after dinner, Xander and his sister popped out to their driveway to squeeze in one last game of basketball before sunset. When the ball bounced into a wooded area near the driveway, it riled up a copperhead snake, prompting it to slither out into the driveway, and as Xander scrambled to run away, he tripped. Seconds later, the snake struck his arm. After a scary few days in Children's Healthcare of Atlanta's Pediatric Intensive Care Unit, he was left with little more than a small puncture wound. Xander's mom, Andrea, joins me to share their story firsthand. Later, we'll be joined by Dr. Manisha Agarwal, who will discuss how she tries to protect her own kids from snakes, as well as what to do on the off chance someone is struck by one. It's my pleasure to welcome Andrea to the show. Andrea, I know you experienced something that runs in the back of minds of so many parents. As the weather's warming up and kids spend more time outside, if you've lived in Georgia, you know that copperhead sightings aren't exactly rare. But what happened to your family is rare. And what you learned along the way, I know you say, could really help our listeners. Andrea, take us back to that night. You're really experiencing something that every parent is afraid of. What happened inside and outside that night? We had just finished dinner and my daughter... My 12-year-old daughter and my 7-year-old son had went outside to play basketball. And they were playing in our driveway. And it was starting to get dark. And we had just called them in. It was right at dusk. And there are five more minutes, five more minutes. And we're like, okay, five more minutes. And my husband and I are sitting at the dining room table. And we start to hear screaming. Mm. And at first, we thought maybe they were, you know, having a sibling fight. And then we realized something was wrong. Mm. So we ran outside. And they're screaming the word snake. And by this time, the neighbors are coming out of their homes. We live in the suburbs and they're yelling, snake, snake. And my son is screaming that he got bit by a snake. And my first thought was, there's no way. I don't know what happened, but that's not what happened. And it is what happened, right? It is what happened. And it's, it's something that now you've turned to places like this to be able to warn parents on what to look for. Is it something that you had even thought of? Had you had a snake in your yard before? Or is it known in the area that you have a lot of snakes before this happened? No, we've we've lived in our home for six years. We had never seen a snake. We'd never heard the neighbors talk about seeing snakes. It, it just wasn't even on our radar. What does Xander remember about that? He remembers they were playing basketball and they threw the basketball and it hit the side of the house. And in his seven-year-old perception was he thinks the snake fell off the roof of the house mm. but as we've investigated further that's not the case it probably was in the the grass near the house and the vibration probably jarred it and mm. when it came out into the the driveway area where they were playing basketball they saw it and started to run she ran away and he fell down and when he fell down that's when the snake bit him on the arm on the forearm so they knew to be really scared of snakes. And what, what kind of conversations did you have with them to have that instinct of like, run, run? We've just talked about never bother a wild animal. Don't even pet dogs unless you ask the, you know, the person, the adult with him, is it okay to pet your dog? So we've tried to keep them safe with just some of those generic warnings, like animals are not always kind in your friends. 
And did he know there were snakes around? I mean, he really showed a lot of bravery in that moment when it happened and in recovery. And he's only seven years old. So did he know that there were things in the area? Not specifically. I mean, they had talked about in school, they talked about, you know, there's the snakes in the area and, you know, the different plains and fields and different areas of Georgia, regions of Georgia. So he knew that snakes existed in Georgia. I don't think it crossed his mind that it existed in his yard. Mm-hmm. But he was, you know, is aware that they do exist. Oh, sure. And just like you did. But did you ever think that it was possible? And I say this as I hear my seven-year-old outside playing basketball in an area where we, you know, we live in an area where there are snakes. It's not something that would have crossed my mind to think, is he going to be okay out there? Are you the same? Absolutely. We've always thought like if we go hiking, then we need to be aware of snakes. So if we go into the woods or a, a wooded area at a park, but it just never even was on my radar that it could happen in our driveway in the suburbs. It's so important to have footwear, you know, have your feet covered when you're playing outside and things like that. I mean, did you think of that? Did you have kids or did you tell your kids that it's important to always have their shoes on outside? Prior to the snake bite, no, because I, I grew up always having shoes off outside. And now yeah. we we say put your, you need to have your actual sneakers on, your shoes that tie. So what was your reaction when it happened? You run out there, they're screaming snake. What next? It was dusk, so it was rapidly getting dark at that point. And so we got him inside and started looking at him. And I'm like, there's no way he got bit by snake. And then when I looked at his arm, I did notice the little, the puncture marks. And then he said, I'm feeling funny, I'm feeling funny. And we laid him down and immediately got 911 on the phone. So that was really that quick thinking that that we know from the experts at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta saves lives. So the ambulance came, you got to the hospital, then what? When the ambulance came, they asked, what hospital do you want to take them to? And we immediately said, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, that's where we want to go. So they routed us there. Um, We got into the emergency room and obviously they had called ahead. And one of the emergency room physicians looked at him and said, you know, we're dealing with a venomous snake here and immediately jumped into action based on, you know, looking at assessing him. And they got him immediately set up for treatment for the venomous bite. He also had to spend a few days in children's pediatric intensive care unit. Is that right? Yes. And why was that? What happened? Due to the fact that they gave him anti-venom, there's Mm. a risk factor that you could have an allergic reaction to anti-venom. And so they kept him initially for that. And then the swelling was so severe that they were afraid of it compressing the nerves and causing problem with his circulation and things like that. So they were monitoring and making sure that he was not at risk of a serious complication. So is there anything you've done now that you've experienced all of this to try and keep snakes away from your home or to try to prevent this from happening again? Yes. My husband actually tore out all the little bushes and weeded area around our home and almost looks like it was, you know, new construction. Like he took everything out and just start fresh. And we've had you know, some individuals that work in that landscaping world kind of come in and say, this is an area that snakes would like to get into. So maybe we should pull some of these rocks out or pull some of these things out to kind of keep them out of our yard and, you know, general area. How about Xander? How's he doing and how is his recovery? He's doing great now. He, I mean, there's no, he has no side effects. And we had a lot of follow-up appointments with his pediatrician, and they were in contact with children's healthcare, making sure they were following all the protocols and hitting all the testing or extra testing that needed to be done. And he's, I mean, he's doing great now. 
What about right after? What was the recovery like for him? The recovery was was tough for him. His arm hurt. It was swollen. It was swollen for quite a while. It took a couple weeks, several weeks for the swelling to go down. And then once the swelling went down and he was able to have more movement, he started to feel better about things. And he was initially a little afraid to play outside. And he's kind of gotten past that as well. Have you heard from the doctors of that that quick thinking, call 911, get into an ambulance? That really was a determining factor at Xander being able to be completely fine today? Absolutely. They commented on, and I've learned way more about snake bites than I ever thought I would want to know, that once it crosses two joints, that's when it becomes a more serious situation and could potentially, you know, get into the, the heart and lungs and things like that. And because we got there quick, it only had crossed one joint by the time they started treatment. Yeah, let's talk about what that treatment piece looked like. So what happened after the ambulance got there? How did they treat him? And then once he got into the ED or emergency department, how did that treatment look? Initially, when the ambulance came, the EMTs took some quick measurements. They drew a circle around the bite mark on his forearm with a marker to make sure they could monitor how fast it was swelling, how much it was moving up his arm. And then once we got into the emergency department at Children's Healthcare, they initially started assessing him and they were using a measuring tape to also measure um, the spots on his arm. And immediately they consulted with Georgia Poison Control and they don't keep antivenom on site, but they were able to have it arrive at Children's Healthcare quickly and get that um, administered to him. And then what about when he was in the pediatric intensive care unit? They also did the measurements. They kept up with the measurements for the entire time that he was there. And we kept up on that for, it was a week to 10 days once he came home as well, to make sure that nothing was going the other direction. A lot of just monitoring his vitals and things like that. And now you're here and Xander has no side effects and he's doing great and he's learn to keep his eyes out and you've learned to clear things out. What is the one thing that you hope parents take away from your story? To act quickly. If something does happen, I know sometimes, you know, as a parent, you're like, is my child, that doesn't even make sense. Like, could that have really happened? Like really just stop and investigate and see what's going on and then call for medical support as quickly as possible. This is such an important lesson to families out there that are listening. So thank you, Andrea, for sharing your story. And tell Xander we're so happy he's feeling better. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, listeners, stick around. We're going to switch gears to hear from someone whose work puts her on the other side of stories like Xander's. Dr. Manisha Agarwal is an emergency medicine physician who works in the emergency department at Children's. In fact, she was part of the team who cared for Xander on his road to recovery. It's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Agarwal to the show. Like many of her colleagues, Dr. Agarwal has seen several cases of snake bites, primarily copperhead snake bites, in her career. Dr. Agarwal, thank you so much for being with us. You know, we heard this harrowing story from Xander's mom, and he really became a patient of yours, actually, during the course of this treatment. So would you say that Xander's case is fairly typical of a snake bite patient that you see? Absolutely. When we see kids who have gotten bitten by a snake, it's usually just an innocent accident. The snakes aren't out there trying to aggressively bite kids and get into trouble. It's usually more that a child just accidentally stumbles across a snake and 
you know, the snake's just trying to protect itself. It doesn't know what's going on and a resultant bite or envenomation can occur from that. And what goes through your mind as a physician when you see that door open and it's a snake bite case? Because I would imagine every minute counts. Right. So first I'll see that it was a patient who's here with a snake bite and there's always the internal like snake, right? Yeah. And then when I go inside, the first thing I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to see how is my patient doing? Because specifically copperhead snake bites and other snake bites can be quite painful. So I'm going to go in, I'm expecting that the adults in the room might be a little bit frantic, you know, not Mm -hmm. knowing what to expect. And you don't know what mental state the child's going to be in as well. When I get in there, I'm trying to establish rapport as quickly as possible. And a lot of it's going to be dependent on the child and their age. If it's an older child, you can usually go in pretty quickly and very quickly establish rapport and examine the patient and the wound in particular. But in younger children, like in Xander's case, you have to build that trust and get to know them a little bit before you can move to where they got bitten. What is sort of that initial assessment? So the first things that I'm looking for are the patient's vital signs. How are they breathing? What's their color look like overall? That's always first whenever you're managing a patient. And then the next thing is I'm trying to get a description of what happened and in particular what the snake looked like. We see a lot of families who run into the emergency department and it wasn't a venomous or poisonous snake to begin with. It was a little garden snake or something where we're more just worried about an animal bite wound and not worried about an envenomation at all. If I am worried, though, and I'm hearing things like, hey, it was clearly a copperhead, I'm really quickly looking at that wound to see kind of what does the color look like around the wound and where it is on the body and relative to the rest of the body. You don't want the child to have the bitten extremity, if it's an extremity super elevated above the heart. You don't want the venom to spread more quickly throughout the body. You don't want a tourniquet where you really make it stay stuck in a specific area because that can be dangerous locally. But at the same time, you don't want to encourage the venom to go everywhere very quickly, which is why we say keep the affected extremity below the level of the heart, Keep the patient calm. Again, you don't need your patient dancing around. You also want to make sure that they don't have any tight, restrictive clothing on the extremity in question. And are there specific signs of when you know it's a venomous snake or a non-venomous snake? So we talk a lot about some of these things, like what was the shape of the, the snake's head? What did their eyes look like? But these are generalities. They're not necessarily hard and fast rules. And I certainly don't want anyone to say, oh, wait, I need to get a better look at the snake and become a second victim. So we do the best that we can. Being in Metro Atlanta, we know that the majority of the snake bikes we're going to see that are poisonous are going to be due to copperheads. And they have pretty distinctive coloring. So usually the patient might tell you about the color and what it looked like. Worst case scenario, you can always pull up a picture to show the patient and the family to be like, does this look like the snake that got you? And if we don't know, if the patient doesn't know, then sometimes you just have to see what develops and do your work up and watch the patient for a period of time. And at that point, you'll figure out, was it a venomous snake, a copperhead to begin with? And there's always the potential. There isn't even any venom injected. It's just the snake biting you like, hey, as a warning, get away from me, Mm. rather than actually injecting the venom. Interesting. Is there a different treatment that you focus on for children versus adults? So the treatment is pretty much the same. There are slightly different dosing in the anti-venom that you might use, which is the antidote for a copperhead snake bite. But in general, the care is very, very similar. The supportive care that a child might need, such as needing to go to an intensive care unit, 
might necessitate specialized equipment, which is a big mm-hmm. reason why these patients are not necessarily going to stay at their local emergency department and instead be transferred to a pediatric facility like Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. And what about the time of year we need to be really conscious of this? There might be people that think this happens in warmer weather. Is that actually the case? So these absolutely do tend to occur more frequently in warmer weather, but we did have a snake bite in our ED even in February. And have you seen some common themes of patients that are coming into children, like certain situations that led to this happening? We know in Xander's case, he was chasing a ball into a wooded area. You know, that's something that our kids do all the time. Yeah, I think Xander's case was very typical of what we see. It's usually children who are playing and they just happen to come across the snake. Uh, Copperheads tend to like to be in more shaded areas. They're usually not out in the open. So if you're reaching into like shrubbery or brush, you want to make sure that you're exercising a lot of caution. We usually see a lot of these snake bites on the arms and on the legs, just kind of depending on where the child is. Very rarely do you actually ever see the child was actually intentionally aggravating the snake, although I have seen that occur as well. You're also a mom. Are there certain things that you do to protect your kids and to keep snakes away from your yard? So the big things I do is I try to make sure that our yard is clean and clear of debris, that there aren't like a pile of leaves or something where the snake might want to hang out raising its babies, thinking it's a good place, not realizing, hey, there's a family right here. I also keep an eye on my kids when they're playing. And I mean, I'm a little bit picky about where they're going to play. I want them in the middle of my grassy yard. I don't want them going over near the edges, near the fence, where that debris might collect. So if my daughter's ball rolls near the edge of the fence, I might tell her, hey, let me go get it. I don't want you to go get it. Just hang tight right here. Yeah, we live in an area where there are a lot of copperheads and snakes and things like that. Now that we've said that to the kids, don't go into that wooded area, they know it and they'll prevent them, you know, they'll, they'll pull back themselves like, I can't go in there. They, they realize that that's a danger. So I really want to dig into what you should do if you're put in the exact same situation that Xander went through. So the first thing is to get your kid out of that situation. So if they haven't run away, scoop them up and pull them away from the snake. Don't go chasing after the snake. You don't need to try and catch it. You don't need to bring it into the ER. Get your kid out of danger, though, first and foremost, and keep yourself safe as well. The next thing you want to do is you want to take a look at the wound, and you probably want to try to run a little bit of water or saline on it just to kind of clean it off a little bit. You don't need to be doing a lot of intensive first aid at home. You want to just kind of get the wound a little bit clean. And then you really want to seek out medical care very quickly thereafter. When it comes to a snake bite, especially if there has actually been an envenomation, so the snake has actually injected venom, you want to get that patient to care relatively quickly so healthcare professionals can actually take a look at what's going on, get the basic workup started, and start anecdotal therapy if it's indicated. If your kid's wearing anything really tight or constrictive, like my daughter loves to wear bracelets on her arm, I would definitely be getting that off right away on my child. And then just trying to stay calm. I can imagine if I did not have medical knowledge and my child came in saying, hey, I got bit by a snake, I would probably be freaking out. I even think with my own medical knowledge, I still might be freaking out, honestly, because it is my child. And I think the big thing is as a parent, your child's going to read off of you and you want to try to keep your child calm. And then you want to make sure you get your kid to medical attention as safely as possible. So if your child is bitten by a snake and you know or don't know how venomous the snake is, should you call for emergency assistance immediately and why? 
Typically we say, go ahead and call 911, but I will tell you personally, I live really, really, really close to the hospital, which I'm very fortunate to do so. And if I'm calm, I feel like I could drive my car very quickly to the hospital rather than waiting for the ambulance. The benefit of having the ambulance team come out to your home is these are professionals that can keep your child calm. If your child is looking really sick, very pale, they are starting to have trouble breathing or anything along those lines, they can start initiating treatment and place an IV and monitoring vital signs en route to the hospital. Additionally, they're going to know the best route to the hospital. They are going to have an idea of which hospital might be the best for your child as well. So I think unless you're super duper confident, I do think it's worthwhile calling EMS to be involved in the care of your child if they've been bitten by a snake. Yeah. And I know you point out that antivenom has to be given within four hours or it's not as effective if given more than 12 hours after the bite. And there are some other things like keeping the bitten area lower than the heart washing it with mm-hmm. soap and water, keeping the child warm, mm-hmm. removing all rings, watches, and constrictive clothing is interesting. And then noting the time of the bite so that you can be reported to the emergency room and trying to remember the snake size and markings to inform emergency room staff. So the family did all those things right. And there are some things that you actually say you shouldn't do, you should caution against doing. Can you walk me through what some of those are? So I think some of the big things include not going after the snake yourself. We don't need someone else to get bit by the snake. And the reality is, is even if you're able to catch the snake and kill it, there are cases where the dead snake has still bitten someone else and envenomated them. So do not go after the snake. Otherwise, there's always in movies, you'll see people saying like, oh, I sucked the snake venom out. Please don't do that. That is just a Hollywood thing that doesn't actually help. You're probably just introducing germs into the wound that are making a complicated situation even more complex. And then otherwise, I would say, again, just making sure you're not doing anything to delay seeking out medical care. I know you also mentioned not to apply a tourniquet and not to give your child anything to eat or drink, avoid cooling the area. Why is that? So as far as the tourniquet is concerned, the big issue is that you worry that you're going to actually make the poison kind of collect a little bit more around that wound and make the situation more dangerous. As far as nothing to eat or drink, that's a general recommendation for anybody coming to the emergency department. And a big reason why is if the child ends up being really sick and needs to have something done to protect their airway, such as an intubation or they're gonna need medicine to help go to sleep so they can get a procedure done, it's best done when the child has an empty stomach. How precious is time here? Is it this a matter of seconds? So when it comes to copperhead snake bites in particular, you wanna be fast, but it's not a matter of seconds. You wanna drive safely, obey the rules of traffic. You do wanna try to get them to the closest hospital, ideally, so they have then time to get labs and also to get the antivenom because it does take time. And we know that there's a lot of pranks when snakes are involved. There are toy snakes and it's fairly common in a lot of households. So what about some conversations parents should have with their kids of all ages about what to do if they see a snake, whether it's at home or elsewhere, and they may think it's a toy? So I think the big thing you want to educate your children about when it comes to snakes is to just leave them alone. There's no reason to go harass a snake because like any wild creature or animal, if they feel threatened, they're going to defend themselves. And that might involve 
biting you and putting your health at risk. And I think you don't necessarily need to pull apart snakes from just general wildlife care, treat them with a little bit of distance and with safety and caution overall. And obviously, we hope no one listening to this ever goes through the experience. But to wrap this up, in case someone finds themselves in such a situation, whether it's weeks, months, or years from now, what do you want listeners to remember? So the first thing I want them to remember is to get themselves and the person bitten by the snake away from the snake as quickly as possible so there aren't any additional victims. I want them to remember to stay calm and to seek out medical care expediently. You don't need to go out and try to capture the snake or get a good picture of it. Whatever information you've gotten is good enough for us in the emergency department. We just don't want a second victim. Such good information. Doctor, thanks so much for being with us. No problem. I want to say thank you again to Xander's mom, Andrea, and Dr. Agarwal for joining me today. For more about this episode and Xander's story, visit choa.org slash podcasts. That's C-H-O-A dot org slash podcasts. And to stay in the know when new episodes become available, be sure to subscribe by searching Hope Will Parenting in your preferred streaming platform and clicking follow or subscribe. I'm Lynn Smith, and this has been Hope and Will, a parenting podcast from Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only. It is not to be considered medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgments when making recommendations for their patients. Patients in need of medical or behavioral advice should consult their family health care provider.